Hi, and welcome to episode 187 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform Podcast. I am John, and I am here with my colleague, Mark. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Got stung by a bee for the first time in my oh, life. Oh, no. Was, what happened? <laughs> as soon as I walked outside, it was like, you never been stung by a bee? Let's check that off the list. Right on the ear. <laughs> you know, I get the feeling that's probably not on most people's bucket lists, but <laughs> maybe that's a great thing. You can now put it on there and then check it off and say, look, it, it happened. I may as well take credit for it. Right. <laughs> I survived the heat wave that just passed through New York, so it was pretty, pretty hot, but luckily I do pretty good in the heat. Yeah, it's brutal weather lately, with the exception of, of course, San Francisco, right. which is pretty generally 68 and sunny. Right. <laughs> so I feel very fortunate to live in San Francisco. Obviously, hopefully everyone does well with the weather out there. But if not, come to San Francisco. I might have to come out there and spend a couple weeks out there. We get to get some rematches for our Smash Brothers game, too. Definitely. <laughs> So in this episode, we're going to sit down with Ade from Instruct, along with Sandeep from Google, about what Instruct does and the awesome arcade machines that came out at Next. Those were really, really fun to play with. Yeah, we saw huge crowds standing around the developer zone and kind of playing around with, well, a bunch of old school arcade machines. So if you want to hear more about what those machines were and what Instruct does, then definitely stay tuned for the main content. And we're going to get into our question of the week, which is... I kind of want to get more familiar with Google Cloud. How do I really navigate the space for material and what kind of offerings really will help me ramp up really quickly? Oh, there's so many. And I've heard this question a number of times you know, recently. So happy to dive into and share a few more details on that. All right. Well, first, let's move on to actually talking about our cool things of the week. So the first thing that came to my mind that was pretty interesting was there was a project called Byteboard that came out of Area 120, which is Google's experimental lab. And what it is, it's a structured identity blind evaluation process platform for interviewing that allows managers to reliably trust recommendations and candidates get to work through interviews at their own pace without the stress of going through high pressure theoretical tests. So none of those questions like how many golf balls fit inside of a school bus or things like that. Design 10 uses for a manhole cover in the apocalypse. <laughs> it was always stuff like that that got me. And it was like, this is a really interesting interview. Uh, I'm not sure if I understand what they're going for, but <laughs> I'll try. My personal favorite is the egg dropping. I love that question. Oh, the egg dropping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get to drop an egg, I think once or twice, and you have to figure out what's the highest floor you can drop the egg without it breaking or something like that. Oh, I don't know that one, but I'm sure there's no no shortage of all those kind of horizontal thinking questions that <laughs> were very, very interesting to look at for the interview process. Right. Well, away from that, one of the things that came across my table quite a few times in the past week has been this Gartner announcement that Google Cloud is a leader in the infrastructure as a service magic quadrant space. Now, for most people, it probably doesn't mean a lot to them because it's not going to you know, change what you're doing or change what's out there on Google Cloud. But I think it's a really cool you know, recognition that Google is doing some very, very fun things in the infrastructure as a service space. But if you look at the blog post, you can see some other customers that are taking advantage of cool things that Google are doing. And hopefully that's kind of some inspiration for you to look at all these different services that are out there, all these different tools and say, well, hey, what can I build with that? I think that a lot of our developers who are just getting into the space, when you get recognized kind of like this, it helps build almost like a reputation for us. So I'm pretty excited to actually be named a leader in that space. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. 
So the next cool thing to come out is bike sharing is becoming pretty, pretty big in a lot of major cities. And Google has actually been able to share real-time bike share information using Google Maps. So there are roughly around 1,600 bike share systems and almost 18 million shared bikes in urban cities. So since it's so mainstream, now imagine being able to use Google Maps to find locations exactly where to find bikes when they're available and the bell curve that you usually see when you see how busy a certain station is going to be with bikes. So it's pretty awesome to see that. And I'm actually thinking about picking up bike sharing and stop driving around the city, which is kind of funny when people find out that I actually have a car in New York City. Yeah, that's a, that is a not a very common thing. There's, nobody drives us too much traffic, right? <laughs> Classic. Well, the last cool thing I have for the week is that we have this cool little medium post that one of our customer engineers put out who was able to show that you're able to take the cloud shell, which is that environment that gets spun up with your Google Cloud account that you can go into and do some semi-persistent stuff. Well, you can go ahead and run Visual Studio Code in there, which is an IDE that I think a lot of people have been talking about in the past year or two as a really cool IDE that has a lot of features into it. Well, you can just kind of run that directly from your Cloud Shell environment. So you go in there, you download Code Server and set it up, and now you have a web IDE that is Visual Studio Code. So this is a really, really cool way to offload the, you know, kind of the IDE and, and code aspect from your computer onto the cloud. So a lot of thanks to Christian Hees for putting up this blog post that shows how easy it is. That's awesome, especially with some systems that don't allow you to install Visual Studio Code. I'm not sure if Chromebooks actually run Visual Studio Code, but if you can install Visual Studio Code on a Chromebook, you know, whether you're using Linux or not, it'd be awesome just to do it in Google Cloud Shell. So definitely a great blog post and thanks for the information. Yeah, very, very cool to be portable and have that power wherever you go. Well, that was awesome. Great chatting with you. Now let's talk with Sandeep and Ade and see what they have to talk to us about these arcade machines. Alrighty then. Thank you so much for joining us, Ade and Sandeep. First things first, Ade, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Ade Mochtar. I'm a CTO and co-founder of Instruct. And Instruct is a learning platform for technology. Can you go a little in-depth as to exactly the type of things Instruct teaches? Yeah, definitely. So what we believe at Instruct is that learning is done best by doing. So especially in technology, things change so fast and you need to keep up. And the quickest way to learn new technology is actually just play with it. And that's exactly what Instruct offers you. So what we are able to do with Instruct, we are able to spin up training environments, sandboxes, and give people challenges to solve using technology. And in that process, we validate that what they are doing is correct and guide them in the right way and the right direction uh, if they get stuck. Awesome. Can you uh, maybe give us a little example of the type of courses you might find on Instruct? Yeah, definitely. We have a bunch of courses on Kubernetes, of course, where you get a running Kubernetes cluster and we ask you to deploy stuff, to fix stuff, to configure stuff. But also we have quite a lot of content on the HashiCorp ecosystem, Console, Terraform, uh, all stuff like that. Awesome. And I will be trying to take one of your Kubernetes courses because I need to brush up very fast. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it's like a digital classroom, right? People can kind of come in, they can study a topic, and then they can you know, put their practice to the test by actually running this stuff in an actual environment, right? Yeah, definitely. So what we do is we give people some, uh, some uh, flashcards with some information, and then we drop you right in the sandbox. You have to get your hands dirty. Uh, by actually using the technology. And I like that term you used earlier. You kind of said playing around with it. The reason I think that's super accurate is because at 
Google Cloud Next 2019, if anybody was there, first of all, it was awesome. Come back next year. But second of all, there were a bunch of arcade cabinets that were also involved in this process. And Sandeep, you were kind of involved in organizing this. Tell us a little bit more about what the arcade cabinets have to do with Instruct. Yeah, sure. So funny enough, I was in Hamburg, Germany for a conference, and I saw this arcade machine kind of hanging out in the corner. And I was like, what is that? Uh, turns out the Instruct folks were there too, and they had one of these machines. And so they had some some developer challenges there, and we just had so much time. Like a bunch of people crowded around this little arcade machine, and we tried to outdo each other to run a HTTP server with, with just code golfing away, like the fastest way we could do it, and like getting the highest scores. And I was like, this is so much fun. We need one of these at GCP Next. So then got in contact with the Instruct folks, and we worked together to actually bring some Google Cloud games to Google Cloud Next on the Instruct platform running on these arcade machines. That's not a mouthful, <laughs> you tell me. But basically, we take the Instruct platform and Ade and team have put it on these arcade machines and gamified it, made it this 80s retro kind of theme. And then my team, we took a bunch of games based on GCP, so Cloud Functions, BigQuery, all these GCP technologies, and then ported them to the Instruct platform so then attendees could play them on the show floor. Which was a lot of fun. And I think that we saw a tremendous amount of people at Next kind of hanging around those arcade machines. Just like you said, I want to get back to how they were set up at Next. But I guess, Adi, the question is, who thought of the arcade machines? How did that come about? Yeah, yeah. So, so there was actually one of our developers that, that had uh, some sort of a brainwave uh, where we thought, hey, we need to do something different at conferences. You can uh, quite easily get a booth and get a stand and hang out and give people stickers or something. Uh, but we thought, let's do something different. Let's bring an arcade machine to a conference. And then we got started thinking, so what do we need to do to get this working, get this some traction? We have a house designer. We pitched the idea to him. He basically said, this is a great idea. I'm going to build this machine for you. It's a custom build. So I'll build the physical thing and you guys have to build the, uh, the software around it. That's exactly what we did. And we brought it to a different conference. Basically, we put it there. And the traction was amazing. So everybody wants to see what this thing is about. Basically, our target audience, they grew up in the 70s and the 80s, right? And everybody knows arcade machines. Everybody has played arcade games uh, and everybody loves them. So the moment people see an arcade machine, they're instantly drawn to it. Uh, but then you walk up to it and you see, hey, there's something different about this arcade cabinet. This one has a keyboard. So what's going on? And then people approach it, they press start, and they see this different kind of content, more serious games, but still games. People just love that. I definitely did. I actually had access to the showcase floor prior to Next, and the first thing I saw when I came down the escalator was those arcade machines. And I definitely walked up. That's where I met Ade for the first time. And I just hung around for maybe two hours or so. And just let you know, guys, I am that game guy. So you guys definitely caught my attention immediately as soon as I showed up. <laughs> But my question is, although you've been enticing a lot of people by creating these arcade machines and, you know, drawing them in, can you tell us almost like the motivation as to why you use the machines? I know that we wanted to entice people and we wanted to add a keyboard, but what really draws people to continue to keep playing the games once they get on the keyboard? Because it is a different type of game. Yeah, it is a different type of game, but we do use uh, gamification elements like a leaderboard, like different challenges, like a validation step where you actually get to see whether what you're doing is correct. And all those elements, they make people come back to the arcade games, try to beat their own high scores, try to top the leaderboard. So those are all elements that, that really draw people to these machines. I was going to add to that. At Next, one of the really cool things that happened was 
people came back multiple times to try to like beat each other's scores and kept like, I can get higher than you, I can get higher than you. And so the leaderboards just kept going up and up and people were really excited about that. That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you decided to gamify things like learning by doing, I guess would be like the best definition for it. So the idea originated in a conference that we co-organized together with HashiCorp. So they organized the first EU conference in Amsterdam and we were co-organizing and we thought, hey, let's do something different. We need to get the tools of HashiCorp into the hands of their users. Uh, so we created a little bit of a competition platform, very similar to what you currently see on the uh, arcade machines or on instruct.com. But we gave them sandbox environments with some challenges around Terraform, Console, Nomad and Vault. And we asked them to solve it. Purely the focus was a competition platform. And it was such a big success that people even went back to the hotel because there was better Wi-Fi to actually solve the challenges. But a lot of the feedback that we also got is this is a great way to learn new technology because a lot of people, they maybe touched one of these tools, but not all four. And we got people into contact with different tools that they never knew about, and they learned a lot about it. So that feedback got us thinking, so this is maybe a very good way to learn new technology and make it uh, into a learning platform rather than just a competition platform. So on one side, you've got the arcade machines now, which it sounds like are a pretty popular way, right? I mean, any arcade machine that doesn't require quarters, I think, will get a pretty big audience <laughs> just by yeah, itself. Yeah. But you've also combined it with these online labs and these different experiences. How does the platform where you actually set up those labs, how is that actually built? So we build on top of Kubernetes. We use a lot of Golang in our backend. We use React for the front end. And we use a lot of Terraform to basically make the platform happen. That in combination with some bash here and there, maybe a little bit too much, <laughs> but that, that's how the, the internet runs, right? Hey, bash is, is the glue of the internet. Yeah, definitely. Don't bash on bash. <laughs> no, I, I seriously love bash. If it weren't for bash, I, I would be lost probably. But as we're uh, still a small team, we're currently with uh, five people. We try to use as many managed services as possible. So for Kubernetes, we use GKE. For our database, we use Cloud SQL. For our build environment, we use Cloud Build. For authentication, Firebase authentication. So as many managed services as possible. So we can focus on things that are important for us, is how to spin up these sandboxes, how to present it to the users, all stuff like that. It's not the first time that you know we've kind of seen a company try to teach all the technologies, and they found that the best way to teach it is also to run on those same technologies. So it's always super interesting to hear about, yeah, you know, I mean, what's the best way to teach Kubernetes is to get the managed Kubernetes environment, and then you run your infra on there too. Yeah, definitely. I think if you want to start teaching, you have to learn first. So you have to learn about this technology, and once you get a little bit of a grip on it, then you can start teaching other people, and then you really start to learn about this technology. The best way to learn, in my opinion, is to teach others because you have to go into a much greater level of detail to understand what you're actually doing uh, to be able to explain it to different people. Absolutely. So Sandeep, how did that translate into the work that you kind of led and some of the other developer advocates here and developer program engineers worked on? Yeah. So the challenge that we faced was how to make you know, traditionally, quote unquote, boring enterprise platform, you know, fun and exciting. And so Instruct kind of helps with that by having these like checks, as Ade calls them. So every step of the way, the platform actually runs code on their side to check that you actually completed whatever task was set for you, right? So you can't just cheat your way through the games. So that was really powerful, being able to like run code to check what they did, spinning up their own sandbox to like have them experiment and have like a no guide rails, right? So with that, 
with things like our GKE challenge, they could either, you know, use a Kubernetes CLI, they could write it in a YAML file, like choices was theirs on how they'd solve these problems. So that gave us as a team a lot of flexibility in designing them, right? We didn't have to be like kind of forced into any sort of pattern, like as long as it worked on the command line, like we could use it on the Instruct platform. And I found that really powerful. Yeah, it's not just command line uh, stuff that you can do. We also have an option to run UIs, maybe not as effectively on your K machines, but our normal platform does run UIs as well. That allows us to to expose basically any web app uh, or even desktop sessions to users, which makes it really powerful. So we actually used Instruct's ability to run arbitrary apps and connect them to their backend to run a full RPG in the Instruct arcade machine. So it was almost like there was an actual video game running in the arcade machines that taught you about coding. It was inception <laughs> in many levels. <laughs> First, we're teaching people about the environment, running on that actual environment. Now we're basically just modeling being real life. <laughs> this is kind of a funny question. Maybe Ade will answer this. So if I were at your arcade machine and I just do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, what would happen? <laughs> Unfortunately, nothing, no. <laughs> it is something that we thought about. I remember back, I think it was eight or nine years ago, my previous company, uh, we did have that code on our website. It would start showing My Little Pony figures on the website. <laughs> oh, I remember that JavaScript library. That was yeah, a fun yeah. one to add. Yeah. Um, We've talked about the the platform and, and how it's built and all the technologies around it, but I'm curious, what other technologies do you actually support in these sandboxes? So we support quite a wide range of technology. So in the basis, we can run containers and virtual machines, but we also have the ability to start a complete new Google Cloud project or an AWS account. And we're also looking at adding different cloud vendors as well, and we can mix and match all these different technologies. So that gives you a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility to create arbitrary complex environments, you know, to basically create an environment to teach your users whatever you need. And I'm curious, when you're actually working in technologies in these sandboxes, how do you actually create these sandboxes and what kind of challenges do you actually have when you're creating them? So the definition of the sandboxes is just a simple YAML file that we defined. So there you can specify your containers or your virtual machines or, or whatnot. And you can use standard images from the Docker Hub, for instance, or from Google Cloud Compute Images. And then we have a set of scripts that we can run on these containers or virtual machines. Those are simple bash scripts and they get executed on that infrastructure in that sandbox that you defined. So you can basically do arbitrary complex setups or simulations or whatever you need to do. Maybe break a cluster and ask people to fix it. Uh, that's all possible. Was there anything that you tried to set up either through the kind of the more traditional classroom approach or maybe through the arcade machines that just didn't quite land right? The toughest thing that we always have to do is the more enterprise-y software, because that tends to be slow to start and difficult to configure automatically. But I don't think there's anything that we encountered that we could not do. Eventually, you know, with a lot of hacking, a lot of testing and trial and error, we usually get stuff running. That and more bash, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. So what's next for the arcade machines? I mean, they're already obviously a pretty big hit. But where are they going to go next? GopherCon next week, which I don't know when this podcast is coming out. Okay. If you're listening to this before then, make sure you go. If you're listening after, make sure to check out the website. And if you're listening while it's going on, just fly right out there. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, not all of us have private jets, you know. Yeah, we're working on that, right? But we also got, well, currently we have the seven arcade machines at Google in the States, right? But there's going to be more arcade machines in Europe and in Asia as well. So maybe you can tell a little bit more about that, Sandeep? 
Yeah, so we're trying to get arcade machines in many of the cloud summits around the world. If you're in one of those cities and you're planning on attending a Google Cloud Summit, keep your eye out for an arcade machine. Other open source conferences and stuff that we sponsor, we're trying to get these in the hands of as many people as possible. So yeah, keep your eye out no matter where you are in the world. And I assume the next iteration is going to involve VR, right? All right, that will be so awesome. I mean, as a kid playing arcade machines, I know that stepping into that world would be super cool. You know, I mean, there's nothing quite like blasting aliens, but from like a first person perspective. (laughs) So now we just need to be able to spin up Kubernetes clusters from a first person perspective. Yeah, that puts a whole new dimension to Wack Apart, right? <laughs> very, very cool. Well, thank you all so much for coming in and telling us a little bit about it. We're almost out of time here. Is there anything you want to call out or talk a bit more about before we wrap up? So we do have an open platform. Anyone can start playing for free, start learning for free at instruct.com. And we even have an option to create content yourself. So just reach out to us at hello at instruct.com and we'll get you started creating some cool content. Awesome. Well, Ade, thanks so much for talking about all the cool things Instruct does and Sandeep. I mean, great job on leading that effort. I think a lot of people got some really, really cool hands-on experience at Google Cloud Next. And hopefully people who can make it out to GopherCon and other conferences worldwide will be able to kind of get their hands on these arcade machines. Very cool. Thank you. Definitely. All right, Mark. So our question of the week is... I want to be more familiar with Google Cloud. How do I navigate the space for the material? So what do you got for us? So there's a lot of space here. And I think that there's been quite a few people who I've heard, you know, they, they see this different information on, on Twitter, on social posts, and I'm sure it's a little confusing. So let me give you a quick rundown. I would say the number one thing right now is that there's a certification challenge going on. And this certification challenge is basically you committing to saying, I'm going to teach myself this stuff in three months. And then if I get certified within those three months, either with the cloud architecture or the data engineer certification, you get $100 for Google Merch. That's pretty cool. Not to mention the certifications come with some swag of their own, like a backpack or a hoodie. So you kind of have that power, but you're probably in it for more than just the swag. You're hopefully also wanting to learn about the cloud. So there's a mix of different environments in Quick Labs and Coursera. Quick Labs are a great place to start. They'll organize things in quests, and these are all interactive labs that you spin up, you can work with directly, they create a sandbox environment for you, and then when the lab is done, you shut it down. So these are very hands-on, very simple ways to actually get through some of these skills and practice what they look like. On the Coursera side, they're a little bit more organized in terms of there's videos, there's text content, and then there's some hands-on labs as well. But that has a much longer breadth of kind of detail you go into. So with the Google Cloud Certification Challenge, each path has a list of recommended Quick Labs and Coursera courses that you can go through, feel comfortable, set up a schedule for a three-month process where you're taking these things, you're training, and of course, you're practicing. And then at the end, you take that certification. And if it all passes, you get that $100 to spend. So to kind of summarize for getting started, I'd recommend taking the certification challenge, looking at the Quick Labs and Coursera recommended courses and labs respectively, and then figuring out how can I make the time for this over the next three months to win that cool merch. That's really awesome. I am spending my time, I'm taking it slowly doing my certification, but it's kind of good to actually give our developers who want to get certified some incentive. And trust me when I tell you that some of the merch that people that people get when they pass these certifications are really awesome. Like those blue puffer jackets that they were walking around with next were pretty, pretty awesome. 
Yeah, it was it was super cool to see, and I think people were excited to see all the different available things. I think at Next they were even giving out like little medals that you could hang around your neck if you had yeah. gotten certified there. Right. If it were up to me, what I would get is just continuing to buy multiple Android figurines. I love collecting those things. Oh, there's so many out there now. You know what we need is we need a cloud figurine. I think we have one actually. I'll send you oh. a picture. But I, I I would really like a new one. All right, we'll take this up to marketing. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast, just give us some time to, <laughs> to figure the details out. Oh, they should do a contest, like design your own. Oh, you need to start it with designing the first one. Then we can get them to design their own. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, where are you going to be? Where are you traveling to next? Oh, yeah, I've got a fun little few days in the East Coast. I'm going to fly across and hopefully the heat wave breaks by then. We'll have to see. And then I'll be flying out to Austin, where I think it is perpetually pretty warm, <laughs> to talk to some customers there and hopefully get a fun podcast or video recording out of it. How about yourself? I will be speaking at PAX Dev in August, which is pretty awesome. And I get to attend PAX West as well. So I'll be there in Seattle end of August going into September. Very, very cool. What's your talk on at PAX Dev? My talk is on universal communication and its benefits in games. Give us a sneak preview. A lot of people quit games based on the fact that sometimes there's a language barrier, especially people who are in countries that are not their own and they're trying to play games. So instead of waiting multiple hours for their servers to be live or, you know, just not talking, creating some type of universal communication where they can communicate with their team and speak comfortably in their own language would be kind of awesome. So I'm going to explore that space and show how it may benefit games, especially when you have multi-regional games. Super cool. So remember, people, if you're going to be at PAX Dev, check out that talk. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of other talks as well. Probably tons of great content there. Should be fun. Awesome. So thank you all for listening, and we hope to all see you next week. Have fun, Mark. We'll see you. Turning up the volume. Turning up the volume. What you're saying is, Sandeep, you're pumping up those jams. Pump up the jams. <laughs> Pump up the jams. <laughs>